Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Shimpock. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you. In this episode, I'll read you a story I wrote many years ago entitled Crone vs. Cyclops, A Confrontation in the Forest. It's a fun story filled with motifs from both folklore and mythology. These elements fill fantasy literature today and can be an excellent way to get the imagination going. Finally, we'll explore how these stories can be analyzed for psychological and cultural insights. In many ways, they become dreams made real with wisdom we can take into our daily lives. A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders. About 20 years ago, I wrote this story. It was part of a writing prompt in which I was given random words to craft a narrative. I found the writing recently and thought the message had a surprising relevance today. The story is filled with folktale and mythology motifs. Hans Christian Andersen based his stories on the folktales of the past, as did C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and J.K. Rowling. We love this literature because it is filled with familiar plots, characters, and archetypes, all given a new and unexpected twist. A popular example would be the Percy Jackson books written by Rick Riordan. In this series, Percy is the demigod son of the Greek god Poseidon. He faces a hero's journey that brings characters and elements from Greek mythology into the contemporary world. It's an enjoyable read for both children and adults. How would the world be different if Greek mythology continued today? Riordan gives us some ideas. Marina Warner writes, Folktales seem to offer the possibility of change far beyond the boundaries of their improbable plots or fantastically illustrated pages. The metamorphosis promised more of the same, not only in fairyland, but in this world, and this instability of appearances, these sudden swerves of destiny, created the first sustaining excitement of such stories. Like romance, to which fairy tales bear a strong affinity, they could remake the world in the image of desire. That this is a blissful dream need not be dismissed as totally foolish. Warner understands why we continue to love these tales and why they are often the basis for current literature. By the way, the words I pulled out of a hat that led to this story were forest, old woman, or crone, cyclops, prism, and mouse. If you listen to my story, think about how you might write your own fairy tale 
with a few random words. But now, a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crone's time. Once upon a time, there was an old woman. She might even be called a crone, for she lived in the forest, in a small cottage in the center of a clearing. Light surrounded her home, but the forest itself was dark and foreboding. The woman was afraid to leave it. She felt like she had been there for years. Her cottage was quite cozy. In fact, it was filled with all the objects she loved, dried flowers and grasses, feathers and bean pods, pine cones and mica. These objects found their way into the clearing and then into her life. It was both a mystery and a miracle that the old woman could survive in the forest all alone. But somehow, no matter what the problem or how difficult it became, the solution or resolution would magically appear the next morning. If she were hungry, food would appear. If she were lonely, an animal or traveler would appear. All her needs were always met. She expected nothing less. One day, she awoke to darkness. It was so unusual, the crone was puzzled. It was day, but the light was gone. Where could it be, she thought. She waited inside the hut, hour by hour, minute by minute, looking for a change, but none came. Day after day, she stayed inside in desperation. Finally, she became hungry and knew she had to leave the cottage to see what she'd find in the clearing. It had never been this dark before, and the old woman didn't know what she would face when she opened her door. Even so, she summoned up her courage and went outside. From the threshold, she looked up at the sky that was now black. Much to her surprise, she saw an enormous creature whose body was blocking the sun. Was it a giant? No, my goodness, the old woman thought. It can't be. On closer inspection, she discovered it was a cyclops. Cyclops, she cried out to the clearing. She started to run back into the cottage, but caught a glimpse of the cyclops' face. His one great large eye was crying. Drop by drop, tears fell on the roof of her cottage. It sounded like rain. So, instead of running away, she stayed. Why are you here? she asked. Are you waiting for me? Yes, he replied. I need your help. I've been angry for a long time. I've destroyed homes and towns, taken animals and trampled crops. Everywhere I go, I bring chaos. One day I discovered that no matter what I did, I never felt better. All that destruction never brought me any joy. It just fed my anger. You aren't here to hurt me then? The crone asked. No. He replied wearily, I was on my way back to the cave. 
the place of my birth. I plan to spend the rest of my life there, alone and miserable. But instead, I found your home, and I began to watch you from the forest. I saw how each day you would find a blessing in the clearing. I saw how miracles and abundance were a part of your life. I wanted to discover why that was true and if I could find it for myself. The crone sat down on the ground and looked up thoughtfully. I don't know what to tell you, she said. I believe in good, and good comes to me. You have believed in anger, and so destruction and chaos have followed you. Is there any hope for me? The Cyclops inquired. Hope always, she answered, but first I must bring back the light. She went into the hut and brought out a crystal. The crystal reflected the single beam of light that remained free of the Cyclops' shadow. It acted as a prism, sending colored rays of light throughout the clearing, red here, indigo there. A single beam of white light struck the Cyclops' eye. Instantly, he turned into a tiny mouse. The crone held out her hand, and the mouse climbed on it. I will never again block the sun, he said. Now I can live my life in the forest in harmony with the rest of nature. I'm sure I can lead you out of the forest if you'd like to tag along. Mm, no, thank you, she said. This is my home. All I need will always be provided for me here. The crone gave a knowing smile and walked away. You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is... Surprisingly, the story seems to match the tenor of the times. An old woman living in isolation, alone deep in the forest. She's afraid to leave, surrounded by unknown darkness. Feels a bit like the pandemic, doesn't it? But she's lucky, even if she doesn't realize it for she has all she needs to survive and more. She is the crone, after all, and wise enough not to grumble, whine, or complain. She merely accepts what is. But one day, the darkness that had continued to grow surrounded her world. All the light was gone. She waited in fear until hunger overtook her. Then she made her way into the clearing. Many of us feel today that we live in a world ever growing smaller and darker. The growing risk humanity faces from pandemics, social unrest, corruption, climate change, and divisiveness can feel overwhelming. It may even be dark and overwhelming. If we aren't careful, we run the risk of this darkness overcoming us. But what is the threat this old woman discovers? A giant cyclops. Cyclops are mythical Greek entities, male giants with a singular round eye in the center of their heads. They were the sons of Greek gods, although which god is the subject of debate. Cyclops have no fear of the gods and no regard for law and order. They live wild and savage lives sometimes as cannibals eating those humans who get in their way. 
They are brutal and single-focused. They have only one point of view and are unwilling or unable to see beyond their ideology. There is no doubt that Cyclops are the other. The characteristics of the other is the state of being different from those in a particular society or group. The Cyclops see humans as the other, and humans see Cyclops in a similar way. Cyclops have no desire to build unity or peace, yet the other is simply a construct or an idea. In reality, there is no other, no matter how often groups and individuals argue their differences. Cyclops would find today's environment quite familiar. Chaos and destruction breeds fear, and fear leads to isolation and divisiveness. As we continue to separate from each other, labeling and blaming, demonizing everyone not exactly like us, they become the other. But as the story holds, it doesn't lead to happy times. The Cyclops is crying. He's discovered that separation only leads to despair. The crone who sees beyond the external and to whom there is no other engages him in conversation. Why are you here? Are you waiting for me, she asked. She might just as easily have said, is it my time? For darkness brings forth questions of life and death. It seems a cyclops has discovered that a life filled with hate is a life filled with sorrow. And such is true, for no matter how many wars are fought, shootings occur, lies and words of hate are spoken, only anger remains. The Cyclops is frozen at the moment between life and death, not the life and death of the body, but of the soul. Still unable to move forward from his past, the Cyclops continues to block out the light, searching for another way and looking enviously at anyone who has found it. He stands in the forest, peering into the clearing. In analytical psychology, the forest represents femininity, an unexplored realm full of the unknown. It represents the unconscious mind and its mysteries. The forest has a great connection with the symbolism of the mother. It's a place where life thrives. From the darkness, the Cyclops watches as the crone receives what she needs without any effort. It seems both mysterious and magical. Sometimes that envy causes as much trouble as anger. The other is not supposed to be happy or have as much or more than we do, the Cyclops thinks. There is only so much stuff to be had, and if they have it, we can't. But the crone knows better. I believe in good, and good comes to me. You believe in anger, and so destruction and chaos have followed you. There are more than enough resources in the world, if only we learn how to share. This story could easily have ended there, but the writing exercise required me to add the word prism. Hence, the crone doesn't stop at hope. 
trouble has come to her door, and it's time now to fight. She can't move the Cyclops, and the darkness is too big for a single act. She must bring back the light. She does so with the prism that captures the only ray remaining, and it transforms into all the colors of the rainbow. Problems are not resolved in our singularity, but only in our magnificent human diversity of gender, race, ethnicity, religion, and the multitudes of knowledge and ideas. In the real world, problems are best solved together, bringing to light all points of view. The old woman zaps the cyclops with a single beam of white light that is the singular moment of truth. Once seen, the Cyclops is transformed into something much smaller. No longer the other. The Cyclops and the problem he represents disappears. He becomes manageable as a pet mouse. The crone holds out her hand and the mouse climbs on it. The wisdom he seeks can only be derived from a connection with nature. It's a reminder that the earth can resolve many of its problems when left to its own device. As for the crone, she now understands her power. She no longer fears the forest or the unknown. She sees the good, and the good comes to her. This is my house. All I need will always be provided for me here, she says. It's a simple story with a simple solution. Or perhaps it's not such a simple solution. It comes down to these options, hate or love, sharing or greed, unity or the other. The crone always helps those who are worthy, those who make their way to her door. This time, it was the other, a sad but troubled cyclops. Next time, it just might be you or me. Now, how can you write your own magical folk tale or fairy tale? Here's some ideas. Make a list of common story elements, mythological creatures, human archetypes, characters, magical objects, animal helpers or birds, insects, and certainly places. Once you've made your list, cut every word out and put it in an envelope marked for each category. For example, all the object words go into the object's envelope. Then start writing your story, stream of consciousness, and when you get stuck, pull one word out of the envelope and write that element into the story. Continue in this way until one item is drawn from each envelope and the story is finished. This type of story comes from deep within your imagination. It derives primarily from the subconscious mind. It can be interpreted or analyzed just as a dream. If you choose to do this task, start slowly. Seek your own interpretations for the elements within rather than using a dream or symbols dictionary. Does the story help you resolve a problem? 
or give guidance to a current situation? The story I shared was written many years ago. It had a specific meaning for me then, but continues to provide new insights for me today. I'm hoping the story imparted something valuable to you too. Believe it or not, there are psychologists who work with fairy tale analysis. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Gustav Jung influenced the work of Marie Louise von Franz, who wrote a great deal about fairy tale analysis. T.D. Sinkovich F. Stigniva went even further in using these stories as a psycho spiritual tool for development. According to this theory, fairy tale therapy should be understood as a set of ways of transferring knowledge about the soul's spiritual journey and human social realization. Igor V. Vochkov writes that fairy tales, whether traditional folk tales, literary works, or personal creations, can resolve two major tasks in therapy. The first is described as the task of the mirror, which means that fairy tales can help us meet ourselves, bringing self-awareness and self-discovery. The second is called the task of the crystal. This refers to the way fairy tales can be used to see other people and the world, perhaps for the first time. Resolving these tasks can help us create our own inner and outer world. This is our ability to develop subjectivity, and it is the primary objective of fairy tale therapy. And so, this wise crone suggests that the next time you read your favorite story or try your hand at writing a fairy tale, ponder how the story might reflect your inner and outer world. Perhaps you'll unlock the secret of what's most important to you and the treasures you hold in your heart. Your journey begins with Once Upon a Time. The wise crone knows it's time for you to leave. Your journey home takes you back through the forest. It may at times be difficult, but no fear. Her final words to you are, Remember to stay on the path. Do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience. And so it was, and so it is. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been sponsored by Heart Symbol Publishing, where you'll find a wide variety of guided imagery downloads to achieve your goals and enhance your life. This is the storyteller, Kathy Shimpak. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetet.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Stories by the Brother Grimm are in the public domain.